welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And once again, as always, we have another phenomenal guest. And this young lady, she doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give her one anyway. We're talking about Emmy Award winner. You may have seen her a couple of times on Dancing with the Stars or Entertainment Tonight. You know, she's helped co-host Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. You've seen her on Good Morning America, uh, The View, the Academy Awards. She was named the Survivor of the Year by Susie G. Coleman. Come on. Our next guest, we're talking about Samantha Harris. I think I need to carry, carry that sound effect around wherever I go, especially in my own house where my family is just like, mom, you know, so I need a little more applause. Oh, like- <laughs> it's like the entourage, right? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I, I need, Kenny, I didn't know I needed to call, come on All Talk Oncology to get the, get the applause. I like it. Thank Absolutely. you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Yeah, you do an amazing job and what you're doing for the cancer community is wonderful. So thank you for letting me be a small part of it today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, you know, Samantha, as always, we jump right in. You know, cancer, it's no one ever, you know, prepares for that, right? We don't prepare ourselves for this. You know, we live, sometimes we're living our best life and we're doing the things that we do daily. If we have family, we have kids and one day, life changes. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. What was Samantha doing prior to the diagnosis? If you can kind of give us a rundown a little bit. I'm going to give you two things where my life changed. Um, Because unfortunately, cancer has been in my life uh, for my own cancer. And that was that my dad, uh, when he was just 50, died of colon cancer. And, you know, I, my husband now is 51. I realize how young that was when I was a a kid. Actually, thankfully for me, I grew up with him. Um, my parents got married in their early 20s, you know, different generation, different time. So I got to graduate college and he got to see me graduate before he passed two months later. So I, at least I got to grow up and have a childhood with an incredible dad who influenced my life. But that's when my life changed because of cancer. Mm-hmm. And when I was blindsided at 40 with breast cancer, my daughters were just three and six. And not for one second did I want to have to leave them or have them grow up without a mom around. No matter how amazing my husband is, it takes a village and the two of us are great partners in our parenting. Um, So my life before cancer, it was nonstop. It, you know, I hosted Dancing with the Stars for eight seasons while also always juggling a full-time entertainment news job, whether it was at E! News or The Insider or Entertainment Tonight, where I was for many, many years. Or the stint um, while I was on a hiatus from Dancing with the Stars, shooting my entertainment news show, I decided to also take on Broadway. Why not? <laughs> so, Oh, and I had a 21-month-old because my first daughter had been born. So, you know, and then there were these opportunities that would come up, like you said, co-hosting, guest hosting for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire as a guest correspondent on Good Morning America. All these amazing opportunities were coming at me rapid fire. And I, from the time I was 12, a kid in Minnesota, looking up to my at my parents in the eyes and saying, mommy, daddy, can you get me an agent? I've had the get up and go. I've had the direction and the drive and what I wanted to do. And pers- so I was living the life I dreamed of as a kid. Wow. What I didn't realize, Kenny, is the detriment that sometimes, 
unfortunately, oftentimes, the high stress, high go, 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 nonstop lifestyle, what it can do to us internally, what it can do in terms of wreaking havoc on our overall well-being and our health. And that's exactly what happened to me. At 40, I was more fit and healthier than I had ever been, or so I thought. And I thought, you know, I'm going to get a baseline mammogram because my dad died of colon cancer. My dad's mom was a breast cancer survivor who lived to 95. So cancer's in my family. I've got little kids. Let's do this thing. And it, it came back normal, totally clear what I expected. And here's the kicker. And this is something I have talked to many breast cancer survivor thrivers about since. 11 days after that clear mammogram, I found a lump in my breast what? and and that that was the reaction i had what it was clear and i found many women who had the same experience hmm. now i'm not saying for one second that you should not get a mammogram absolutely i'm an advocate for early detection getting irregular mammograms doing self-breast exams which is what saved me i was actually changing after a workout and i think because i worked out regularly and i ate what I thought was helpfully, I was much more in tune with my body. And I remember touching and going, that, that's, that's, that's not right. That hasn't been there before. Yeah. Um, this could get long and deep, so I'll try to go narrow and short. I had two doctors tell me that lump was nothing over the course of four months until I finally found my way to a specialist. I said, I'm going to see someone who looks at breasts every day, who knows what they'd be looking for. The weird thing is I didn't realize that specialist is an oncologist. I didn't realize that that's the only specialist who looks at breasts every day. And she didn't think it was cancer. But after a needle biopsy and some ultrasounds, she said, you know what, let's just take it out. There's some irregular cells. I don't think it's, it doesn't show as cancer, but let's take it out. Woke up from a lumpectomy, reassured, still not cancer. Told my husband a week later when I went for my follow-up, you stay home. It's a beautiful day. You don't, you go golf. You don't want to sit in a dark, dank doctor's office. I'll go. They're going to check the incision for my lumpectomy. They're going to give me my pathology results. I'll be back home. And that's when I was blindsided. Wow. Ductal wow. carcinoma in sight too. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty devastating day. Absolutely. But I wasn't devastated. I, 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 I had to pick myself up and it didn't happen overnight, but I'll, I can tell you more about that too. Yeah. And well, that's the, that's, that's a, that's an important piece, Samantha, because that news, not only is it shocking, devastating, but it's kind of paralyzing for a little bit, right? Is, it, is that fair to say? Absolutely. Perfect word for it. Okay. So how, how, do you, how do you get yourself from that point, right? Because one, what have we picked up on? And this is good for the listeners that, that, are, that are tuning in. You were persistent. Even though everyone was telling you, hey, you know what? It's nothing. Don't worry about it. It didn't even get detected on the mammogram. You were persistent on, you know, getting something, getting this thing checked out, which was which was idea. I don't I don't know where that comes from. That obviously must have come somewhere from your childhood, as we just talked about. But how did you get yourself from that 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 day? to go, okay, I need to continue moving. I have three, I have two kids and a husband. Kenny, I, I had this nagging in my gut because what the doctors told me, the ones who said it was nothing, well, all they did was a quick clinical exam. They touched the breast and said it was nothing. How did they know? If you're not looking inside, if you're not doing any further diagnostic, how do you really know? Now, 
there are lumpy breasts, there are benign cystic breasts, you know, and all of that. I had dense breasts. So that's probably, you know, one of the reasons it was not caught on the mammogram. They said it was like looking at a snowball in a snowstorm. Once they knew where it was, once I had obviously had the final pathology to come back, they knew, okay, well, yeah, now and now we see it a little too late. So the persistence came from listening to my inner voice. And sometimes we have to learn and this wasn't something I knew back then. It was instinctual, gratefully, but I've learned since we have to sometimes get quiet mm. to listen to the whisper of our inner voice. How do you get quiet? Something that I've learned since, which is, again, I'm go, go, go. I am full energy, full throttle. That's just my personality and my being. And so it started actually with yoga. I went to yoga, my first yoga class, way before cancer, because I really liked Madonna's chaturanga arms. Yeah, that's the, the slow, <laughs> like the slow push up, you know, reverse push up. And I thought, oh, she's got good arms. Maybe I should try this yoga thing. And what I learned was that yoga was good for me because it was almost like a forced meditation. It forced me to slow down. It forced me to breathe and take that time out of my day to breathe. And I thought, but at the same time, hey, I'm, I'm getting stronger. I'm still getting a little workout and I'm stretching because I'm not doing enough stretching. So this is good. Post-cancer, post not only my career pivoting, you know, clearly my, my health and wellness pivoted, but my career pivoted with my diagnosis. I went from a high in-demand entertainment and television host and personality to someone who wanted to live for, and work for something I was incredibly passionate in a, in a new way. And that was wellness and health and became a certified health coach, a holistic health coach, someone who went to school. I went to school for a year for it to study, to learn uh, and expand the knowledge I already had. Yeah. Um, you know, and from that, I, I just started helping people. I started coaching privately and helping and seeing the changes it was making in people. And so then I obviously realized I only have so many hours in the day and I'm a mom and I'm juggling a few other different career things. Exactly, so what exactly. can I do more people, right? Like you, like you with the podcast, you're reaching more people. So for me, that meant launching a subscription-based membership community. So my book, Your Healthiest Healthy, came out in 2018. I was so honored. I had you know wonderful celebrity endorsement support, but more importantly, it debuted as a bestseller on Amazon in multiple categories, including oncology and women's health. So and awesome. it also, it was, it was, you know what, it was named um, one of people magazine's top 10 health and fitness books of 2018. The book itself is, is a way like, Authors know we make no money on books. I just want it in people's hands because, and by the way, you don't have to buy it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Go to like the book discount places. Or gift for <laughs> I don't care about, I just want you to have it to learn and have your listeners learn about the ways that we can get the toxins in on and around our body, out of our body. Sure. And that was the biggest change for me, Kenny. When I started the research and I put the hat on, I had no hereditary link, despite my dad and my grandmother's cancers, no genetic link to breast cancer. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a national ambassador for Susan G. Komen. And what I've learned from them, among the many things, is that only 5 to 10% of breast cancers are hereditary. Mm. 5 to 10%. Yet one in eight women are diagnosed with invasive breast cancer over the course of her lifetime. What is that? What is what that? It is? <laughs> right? 
So that's when I began to research. I put on my journalism hat and leaned back on my background to speak to as many experts as I could, read as much as I could, and what I determined really is what we put in, on, and around our body. Turns on or off those dormant cancer cells that are lurking. We all have them to some degree or another. So how can we take control? How can we, you know, instead of throwing up arms saying, oh, well, cancer's in my family, I'm gonna get it. Or, you know, my dad had heart disease, I'm sure it's gonna happen to me. Or they, you know, they have diabetes, type two diabetes, so I'll get it too. No, 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 no. That's, that's the one thing I want people to take away from this. We don't have to give up that control. We can take back that control and make changes from how we're eating to what products we're putting on our face with our makeup, in our hair, our cleaning supplies, and then the toxic relationships and stress levels. Look at you. Look at you, Samantha. So that is a lot to take in and research from the time of diagnosis till, till gosh, a year later. And obviously it's grown, but that is where people get paralyzed. That is where people get stuck. How, how did, how can you help the listeners educate themselves about what to do? Why is diet such an important thing? Why is wellness such an important thing? Give us, give us some insight from, from your perspective. Well, first of all, the biggest thing really that we have control of is the fork from the plate to our mouth. Mm. Right. And as much as look, we want to hold on to our treats. We want to hold on to our grease. We want to hold on to the American sad diet, right? The standard American diet. And what the standard American diet is doing is it's killing us slowly, whether it's from chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, or cancer, or neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, um, so, or, or, or Alzheimer's. And so what we can do is change what's happening in our body by how we're eating. Look, I have a sweet tooth. I still have my desserts. I, you know, I'm not saying get rid of, I love French fries. I was going to say, <laughs> yes, Samantha, how do you fit this in? Right? Because let's be realistic here. The, the average American, even if they're diagnosed, may not fully conform to this new way of life. But that's what we're trying to help them to see, right? There needs to be a change. And you, you did through research found that. But how did you how did you find the balance? I think that's important. How did Samantha find the balance to say French fries and her sweet tooth? Small, manageable steps. I did not do a 180 overnight. Look, I used to eat red vines by the vat. Like there was this humongous, <laughs> you know, not thinking for a second that there's high fructose corn syrup and red dye 40 in there, not to mention just the regular other sugars um, and the processing. Um, you know, so how did I make the changes? Well, the first change I made, because I used to eat uh, every morning, first of all, I ate copious amounts of animal product. Now, I'm not saying you can't eat animal products. I'm not saying that if you go macrobiotic or you go vegan, you're going to never get a disease in your life because there are plenty of vegans who eat crappy food every day that's not helping them. Yeah. But if you start with a plant-based whole foods foundation, whether you want to be vegan or paleo or keto or whatever, that is really one of the biggest changes, filling your plate half full of veggies at every meal. So I used to eat for breakfast every day uh, a fruit-flavored yogurt. It had aspartame and all these other things. I was afraid of fat because I thought the fat was the devil. It, it was vilified when you know, <laughs> low, low fat, high carb diet, high sugar, but low fat, 
fat was vilified and fat is really important for all of our systems. So I, so first it was just small steps. Instead of just getting the fruit flavored yogurt filled with all the junk in it, I switched to Greek yogurt and then organic Greek yogurt and then plain instead of fruit flavored, right? Small steps. Then I got off of that completely and I went to, oh, let's see if you can see the color of this bad boy in here. You see how green that is? Every day. Tilt it a little day. bit more. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. It's, almost, it's already right. So every day I have a green smoothie of some sort. Um, it has lots of berries. It's I've learned to add more things that are beneficial for our overall beat. It's like my, my kitchen sink smoothie because I throw all the things I know are good for me that I wouldn't necessarily want to eat on their own, like ginger or matcha green tea or bee pollen or chia seeds or flax seeds or all those good. They just boom, they just all go in there, all in there with the greens, with the berries. And I drink that every day. I've converted my husband to those. My kids drink smoothies now. They don't put as many greens as I do. But <laughs> the point is that we're making these changes in small ways. And the same thing goes for makeup. I sat in a makeup chair as my career every single day, sure. right? Being blasted with, you know, fumes from a, from a, you know, spray bottle of hairspray being shellacked with my face so that it could withstand hot lights and 10 hours of being on camera. Not for one second thinking, huh, I wonder if there are any endocrine disruptors or carcinogens in that makeup. I didn't know. And right. so I started to look into that or my period routine were the, the tampons and the pads I was using. Sorry, I know, but I'm sure you have some female listeners, so it's important. Uh, tons, you know, tons. Right? So switching to organic, 100% organic for that. So you're not putting those chemicals and the bleaches and the all of that in your body. For the men, prostate health, so important. So adding flaxseed into your, you know, whether you're sprinkling it on your, your morning oatmeal or you're putting it into a smoothie, really helpful for not just prostate health, but also breast health, but a really great thing for prostate health. So just looking and learning and adding and just leveling up a little bit from conventional blueberries to organic blueberries to organic wild blueberries, right? From regular broccoli to organic broccoli to adding broccoli or uh, organic broccoli sprouts into my smoothies or my salads. It's all about baby steps. And I'm very much a proponent of small manageable steps. And that's Abs how I've made the change. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. Baby steps are, are everything, you know, and I think anyone that may be listening to this going, oh my God, I can't do that. You know, this is not an overnight process. You know, the way you've lived your life up until this point, we understand that's been many years of practice, but right. we're talking about cancer. And if we don't face this beast, right, if we don't face this eye to eye, so to speak, then the outcome may not be in our favor. So we, we have to take control. And that's something that you're saying, Samantha, was what you've done. You took control and you decided, I'm going to look at everything that I've learned and relearn it a little bit from dieting to my makeup. And women, we, they get dolled up. They look so beautiful and they, their makeup. And you, you took it to that point. You're talking about your period and tampons. Amazing. You know, the things that you, you've looked at. And so I hope our, hope our listeners can take away what Samantha is saying here. But Samantha, I do want to talk about a little bit of the mental challenge, because that's the battle that we go to sleep with. That's the battle that we wake up and we go through our day. How did Samantha, you know, fight those, those, 
those scary demons that are, that pop up from time to time. You know, Kenny, I will say that there were many dark days in my cancer diagnosis and dealing with recovery after mastectomy and three surgeries that I had in 2014. And what I found after my initial diagnosis was I had this negative, intense energy that was coursing. I could literally feel it vibrating, coursing through my veins. And what I realized it was, was anxiety. And I'd never had that before. And I remember feeling so awful. It was wrecking me. And finally, just one day, I, it was just maybe three weeks after my diagnosis. And I said to myself, I can't feel this way anymore. I don't know how long this road of, of, of going through cancer and treatments and surgeries and then recoveries is going to be. I don't know what my life has ahead of me and I can't feel like this anymore. So I took a deep breath and I made a conscious decision to pivot my perspective and look at things from a positive standpoint. You know, life gives you lemons and you gotta make lemonade. Mm -hmm. And we actually, my husband said, we should do something with that. So we launched actually a, a website called Gotta Make Lemonade that inspires positivity in the face of adversity. But it was my first step in finding gratitude and looking to see what gratitude really is because I didn't understand what that was. I didn't realize the power of positivity. And those changes made all the difference in my cancer journey, in my recovery, and my life as a cancer thriver now. So amazing. So amazing. And thank you. Thank you for, for that because it's important. So walk us through something that mm -hmm. Samantha does on, a, on her daily ritual, if, that, if I can say, that gets her going. And, and talk about sometimes how you have to pull yourself out of that negative mindset because it pops up, right? Is, it, is that true? It pops up every once in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It does. It does. Talks about this. And I talk about it a lot in my Your Healthiest Healthy community as well, right? So the power of positivity and building resiliency, which is the key to a, a thriver's mindset, is resiliency. And how do we do that? So I have a couple of really great tools that are in my arsenal. And I'll tell you, even with COVID, these are these tools really helped because that anxiety that say some of those same fears that happened with cancer came up with COVID. Oh my gosh, we're going to be locked in our houses. How are we going to, and I felt it building up and it was intense. And so I said, okay, let's go to your arsenal. What do you have? Okay. Uh, I have positive self-talk. So positive self-talk is exactly what it sounds like. Let's talk about the things that are good. What's going well. All right. Well, with, with cancer, my positive self-talk was well, I have a great medical team assembled. Okay, good. Keep going, Samantha. What else is positive? Well, we caught it early. I have good insurance. I have a good support network. And then all of a sudden, when you start having that positive self-talk conversation, and, and, it, and I really mean, talk out loud, go in a bathroom, shut yourself in a closet, thinking it is very helpful as well, but talking and hearing your own voice saying the words, because the more we say this, and this is why affirmations are really important, um, the more we say it, the more we believe it. So another example, post mastectomy, cancer now rear view mirror as far as I was concerned, but how do I move forward? Yes. Well, I finally for the first time developed a mantra and I didn't even understand what affirmations were at the time and now I do. It starts with an I am or I have statement. And so I said, even though I didn't believe I was quite healthy and free from cancer yet, I started to say, I am happy, I'm strong and I'm cancer free. And I would repeat that again and again. 
And then eventually, about a year into that mantra, I realized, well, every time I say I am cancer free, it reminds me I had cancer. I got to change the dialogue. <laughs> so now, since then, my, my mantra and mantras can change and affirmations can change. And that's good. Listen to yourself and change them. Now my mantra has been, I am happy. I am healthy. I am fit. I am strong. Say it with conviction, out loud, with power. I've been on hikes in the middle of nowhere by myself yelling, I am happy. I am happy. <laughs> like, yes. my lungs. And you yes. know what? The more negative self-talk you have, your brain doesn't necessarily understand whether you feel it, you are it or you are not it. So if you tell yourself you're a loser, you tell yourself you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you're not pretty, you're too fat, you're that, whether you are or not, you're going to start believing it. Mm -hmm. So let's flip the script and start doing it the other way. I love that. Absolutely amazing. You know, and I, I you know, I was on the journey right now with you when you're, I am great. I'm, I'm love. <laughs> you know, I can yeah, just... it's funny because before, before I got into this wellness world and I mean, really, it, as, as you know, I'm actually going back to school, I'm going for the next level because I'm going to become board certified as a health coach. So I'm actually starting another program that gets me because you have to go through the year long program, then you have to go for another three month program. So I'm starting that next month. And, um, you know, and I, I realized like, I, I love this life of understanding and learning and coaching. And the more I talk about uh, with my community members in your healthiest healthy community about things like this, how I would have thought if you'd asked me 10 years ago, like if Samantha, would you think you're gonna be hollering at the top of your lungs? I am amazing or I am worthy. I would have thought, oh my God, you are so woo woo and weirdo. You're, oh, you're writing in the gratitude journal. You're, um, you're using affirmations. Okay, weirdo. no, no. This is amazing and it's life changing. And we just have to get rid of all of the, the labels that can go with all of that yes. and just embrace it because it makes a world of difference for our health. Oh, thank you so much for that. That is so true, right? And we, we put all of these limiting beliefs and uh, these uh, discriminations amongst ourselves, right? It's, it's horrible. And uh, we do that as humans, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible. So to hear you just being free and changing your mindset. I hope the listeners are picked up on that and can use that. I hope so too. And I'm here. I listen, I talk through in, you know, I'm on I'm on Instagram all the time and I have a lot of cancer thrivers who reach out to me with questions, needing support, and I try to get back to everybody I possibly can. Um so please for everyone know it's at Samantha Harris TV and I will be there and, and try to help however I can. Love it. Now, Samantha, as we transition, we talk now we're talking, we talked mindset, we talked to diet. How did you fare during treatments? How did you prepare yourself for that? And, and what was your treatment regimen, if you don't mind? Sure, sure. And it's so individual, right? I mean, we had pros and cons lists. Was I going to do So I'd had a lumpectomy that found the cancer. So then what the question was going to be, um, you know, do we do another um, lumpectomy with radiation or do I do uh, the mastectomy with reconstruction? And so I, you know, I ended up choosing to do the mastectomy uh, with reconstruction. Um, that was the right choice for me. And, you know, everybody is, um, is very different with, you know, with what they want and what's right for them. Um, interestingly, my husband actually wanted me to do the, the, radiation with the lumpectomy because it was going to be a quicker recovery. Mm. I wanted the mastectomy because I, I wanted to know what was in the other breast and get rid of that in case. Cause I knew a lot of people who found 
um, through their mastectomy, cancer on the other side that they didn't know was there yet. Yeah. And I didn't want to keep looking over my shoulder. So that was right for me. Um, so that's what I did, two-stage reconstruction. So in 2014, I had three surgeries. Um, when it came to chemo um, or further radiation after mastectomy, this is when really making sure you aren't afraid to ask questions to your doctor, but also getting second or even third opinions is also really important. So with that, I had two different radiation um, oncologists who I saw. One said, you absolutely need it. The other one said, you absolutely don't. I won't go into the nitty gritty, but there were reasons what, that they both presented. Sure. And it really made more sense that the radiation wasn't necessary for me. When it came to chemo, I actually had two medical oncologists, right? You have your surgical oncologist, then you have your medical oncologist. There's more oncologists than I ever realized we needed <laughs> in our lives, but thank goodness for them. Yeah. Um, and I, both of the medical oncologists said, you know, Samantha, you're really in a gray area when it comes to chemo. Your oncotype score is low, but you know, you could get a couple percentage points in your favor if you have chemo. And I thought I was going to, I'd even reserve those cold caps because I thought I was going to want to try to uh, preserve whatever hair I could. And, and then I ultimately decided it wasn't the right choice for me. And again, I don't want to guide people with it. I am grateful because I know that the, what the chemo does and how detrimental that can be in, on all the other systems. And if I ever, not God forbid, <laughs> have cancer again in my life and need chemo, then that's the route that I will take. But I, I, for me, it was the right choice not to. I was going, going to need four rounds and I chose not to. So that was my, that was my surgery and recovery. And, and so after surgery, how did you build up yourself again, right? Because now, you know, surgery tells it, tears us down, your immune system gets it low. Did you do that through dieting? What did, what did Samantha use as her tools? Well, exercise has always been a huge part of my life. I don't know why. I think it wasn't something that I did, you know, as a kid, kid, when I was a kid, it was organized sports, dance teams and so on. But I remember graduating or while well, I was in college, I had dance classes, but it was everything I could do to you know, get myself to the gym. And post-college moving out to LA, I remember thinking that physical fitness was a real challenge. What was I going to do? I knew I needed it in my life. At the time, it was all extrinsic reasons instead of intrinsic, right? It was got to look cute in the jeans, got to make sure I look good in the dress, want to make sure I don't get overweight, right? So that that changed a lot. You know, Now it's about what can my body do for me? How is it making me feel? Do I have energy? Do I have vitality? Can I chase my kids and play? Those are the, can it carry me into late, long life into my 90s and beyond. That's why I exercise now. And those are the reasons that are gonna keep you exercising later. So one of the things that I did, I remember my husband's like, oh my gosh, of course you're gonna ask this question. I asked my oncologist, how, how quickly can I get back to working out? Do I have to wait like a week, six weeks? Like what, what how long, what, tell me where we're at here. Um, <laughs> so really getting back to just walking literally a block and then two blocks and then walking around my neighborhood and eventually getting back to the gym and you know really t listening to my my surgical um, reconstructive surgeon about making sure that I waited to lift weights and I waited to do a lot of the things she wanted me to wait for so that my breasts could heal um, from all the trauma of the mastectomy and the reconstruction and I abided and listened to everything I was in bed for three weeks after each of the two surgeries where she only allowed me to get out of bed for 20 minutes at a time every two hours 
So instead of exercising, exercise my brain. I jumped on my computer. That's when I built the, the Gotta Make Lemonade um, community. Uh, and I'm not trying to confuse people with the yourhealthiesthealthy.com. That's really the way I am where I am now. But it was a it was the transition of finding my, my lemonade out of my lemon. So, so my fingers, this is my workout in my bed for three weeks, you know, and, uh, and that got my mind going and really helped give me something to focus on other than the pain and, and the recovery. Absolutely. Now this is, this is huge. You know, you go through treatments, you, you, you made decisions, you changed your diet. How about personally, you know, being in this industry for about 20 years now, you see a lot, right? And so having a double mastectomy kind of, Sometimes you feel that um, your femininity has been stripped. Some people feel that way. I'm not saying that's how you feel, but you know that's how some people feel, right? So how do you deal with the intimacy? If it, it, as you're married, you have a husband. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a great question. Look, you know he and I'll be honest. He probably didn't touch my breasts for about a year. Um, he was afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't want to hurt me. He knew that I didn't have much feeling anyway, so he kind of thought, well, what's the point? Um, and it was really me who had to say, you know what? I, I still want that. Whether I can feel it or not, I see there's still interplay that I want. I want to know that maybe it's making you happy and making you turned on and making you know this the intimacy of being able to, you're the only person who can touch my breasts besides doctors, so let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. So, you know, and then, and then, but of course, there's there's the mental too, right? I mean, I have tons of ripples, and they you know they, they look look. My surgeon did a great job, and when I'm standing up straight and my chest is puffed out, they look awesome. My scars are down here; they're not straight across. I was very lucky. I was a nipple sparing surgery, so I have that too. The you know the nipples that breastfed my babies. They I always say my boobs did all the jobs they needed to. They <laughs> they got me my husband, and they breastfed my kids. I you know that's all they needed to do. Um, <laughs> But you know, these are all the things that we struggle with and it is challenging. And so um, I had also kind of get um, through and work through sort of the, I don't know if body dysmorphia is the right word of it, but because that's really under not thinking what you have is what you have. But, but the, right, I had that, that sort of challenge of figuring out, okay, can I still feel beautiful and sexual with these breasts that weren't really mine? Um, you know, and what are my kids going to think as they start to develop and are they going to be comparing theirs to, you know, there's, there's so many questions still as my girls, my oldest is 13, right? So she's, she's at that stage where she's not going to embarrass her, but you know, so I wonder too about that. And so I just, I try to keep an open dialogue and lots of questions. I also, I don't shy away from being naked with them if they walk in my, my older one still kind of shuts her eyes. She doesn't, she's much more prude, which is fine. And I'm like, good, you stay that way. Um, whereas my little one's like, right here. So that makes me a little worried, but we shower together and she's cat. So my point is that I don't shy away from letting them look to ask questions. I don't want them to be afraid also of what that is, but they also hear me have the conversations about breast health and, and eating the right way, not about because I don't want you to be that kid who um, who is overweight, it's for, for looks and harassment reasons, which is a whole other set of issues, but I want you to be that healthy kid eating the right foods for best health. And I struggle every day getting them, especially my little one, to eat her veggies. Um, and that's probably the most important category of food for our overall health is, is the non-starchy vegetables. Yes. Samantha, thank you so much. 
We, we, wanna, we went to places I don't think I've talked about before. That's what we do here <laughs> at All Talk Oncology. We you know, this I is like what it. we do because these are topics that people actually live, right? And they don't have anyone to get to talk to them about this. So, yeah, Samantha, thank you, one, for being open and honest. I love that about you. And, you know, thank you for sharing something that's a lot of people suffer with. And I, and, and I think I'm going to dedicate one of those episodes strictly to that because it's an important thing, right? And we want support from our partner. We want to make sure that that communication is, is live and thriving so that they know. And, you know, this can go one or two ways. You can go either, you can go grow apart or you can go grow closer together, right? So, so thank you. Thank you for that. Talk to me. What has Samantha, your list as, as, as we talked about is so long. You've done so many things. You, you're, you're an amazing individual. I I need some of that energy. Um, (laughs) You know, how veggies, more veggies, veggies, give me, and I I kid you not. I, you know, I, I, I'm in the fitness industry as well. Um, So that, that's, that's been interesting too. But what I like to say is the Samantha who was super busy, the Samantha, the, the Emmy award winning Samantha, the one that was running and doing everything and achieving her goals. And I'm not saying there was anything wrong with that. What I want to, what I want to ask you is how is that Samantha different than the one that's in front of us today? It's a great question. I'm more settled now. Um, I, look, I think part of it is what comes with age, right? I'm, I'm going to be 48 this year. Thank God. You know, I was 40 when I was diagnosed. I lived seven years out, out of my diagnosis. Every year is a blessing. I'm like, just get me to being, I want to be that old shrivelly lady. I, you know, uh, yeah, we all want to look great and cute and all that, but you know, like I just, I want to get there. I want to be that old lady, not right away. I want to enjoy my time to that place. But, um, you know, I think the biggest difference is that we, you know, that, that age and, and this experience of cancer has given me is multifold. First, it's allowed me to slow down and look at the importance of the work I was doing. Look, would I take on another entertainment news show or a big show? Well, obviously, I would happily take on another big show like Dancing with the Stars. It was a blast. Um, but at the same time, making sure there's balance, right? I was too afraid to say no mm-hmm. because at that time, you know, people are throwing these amazing opportunities at me, opportunities I had from the time I was so little that um, I didn't want to say no. So the grace of being able to say no now, the other important thing is putting things on the calendar that you can look forward to, right? Life is a collection of memories. And if we're only putting our head down and grinding it out day after day, working and not enjoying, yes, we need to earn money to live our life and pay our bills. Um, and, and that's, I'm learning though, I'm living in a lifestyle that I'm very happy with. I loved making all the money I was making, all these big shows. It was great. Would I like to do that for ease of life for, for no worries about medical care costs for yes, absolutely. But what I have now that I didn't have before cancer, I didn't have control over my day to day. I didn't have control over my schedule. Working in entertainment news, as much as I was grateful for the opportunities, 
they owned me. And I just did flat out. Like they paid me a great salary and they own my life. They own my schedule. I couldn't promise my kids that I'd be at her recital. I'd say, oh, mommy, mommy is so excited to be there. I hope I'll be there. I couldn't make plans with, for friend, with friends for dinner because, oh boy, a movie premiere popped up or got to get on a plane and go, look, not complaining that I had to go fly off to Seville, Spain to hang out with Tom Cruise, not a bad day at work, <laughs> but, but a different sort of stress because I didn't have control over my day to day. Um, and so what's really the gift of going into this space within wellness and really being all in, this is my passion. This is what I do. And being able to be there for the, your healthiest, healthy community with my, you know, whether it's the weekly coaching or the workouts I'm giving them or bringing in special guests. Um, we're doing a, a, like a sugar detox challenge for 14 days right now. And it's a lot about not just cutting out sugar, but about slow steps and educating them day by day. Let's look at day one, just let's look and assess what your sugar is today. What, what are you putting in your body that you don't realize even has sugar in it? Is it in your ketchup? Is it in your bread? Right. And then, so the slow steps and being able to make the help, help people make changes in their lives to become healthier. That is the biggest difference is being able to help others and slow down and look at life and find it experiences. I don't want gifts. I want experiences. Wow. Wow. So powerful. What is more important is slowing down and enjoying the moment and helping the, the people that you have surrounded yourself with. Did I hear that correctly? Absolutely. So amazing. Samantha, thank you so much for joining us here on All Talk Oncology. You are an amazing individual. And as I always say before or at the end, is there anything that you would like our listeners to know before, before we go? Well, I just, I'm here for you, thrivers, survivors. Um, you're just diagnosed. Ask questions, Instagram at Samantha Harris TV. And then yourhealthiesthealthy.com has a lot of information, whether you're interested in doing private coaching with me, I take on a limited number of private clients, but also the community, all the information for your healthiest healthy community is there. And I have great retreats coming up. I'm going to Utah. Oh, I don't think I've announced that it's Utah, but November, you guys want to come to Utah with me. We're <laughs> going to be hanging out and having a great time. And there's an invite only uh, retreat in Mexico that people can get on the, the wait list if they're interested in that as well. So uh, we're, we're just, I'm all over all, I'm on it. I'm on it for you guys. So just come and join me and let's hang out and let's get Betty better, healthier and awesome together. Yes. Samantha Harris, thank you so much. You've been a blessing and I'm so glad to have you on our show. You keep doing it too. You're doing such an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you. So again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out.